0: You're listening to the Derms and Conditions Podcast. Well, this is Dr. Jim Del Rosso from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, where hopefully most of you realize I'm practicing dermatology here as a clinician and also uh, run a research center here, JDR Dermatology Research, and also am a director of research. For advanced dermatology and cosmetic surgery, helping them on a national level. So I'm obviously interested in dermatology research, but also very interested in clinical practice pearls, and and that's what we're going to be talking about today. I have with me uh, Dr. Samal Desai, who is founder and medical director of Innovative Dermatology in Plano, Texas, where he's in the trenches treating patients with a variety of different skin diseases, both medical and surgical, but has a very strong interest in managing patients with skin of color, uh, both medically and from a procedural standpoint. So we're going to be talking today about some questions that I have. So Samal, it's good to talk to you.
1: Jim, great to talk to you as always.
0: So I'm bothering you while you have patients and you're kind enough to take my call because I have some questions uh, related to a presentation I saw you give a- in Tampa at the academy meeting that I thought was very, very helpful because we hear a lot of presentations on, on topical therapies and medical therapies for acne and vitiligo and melasma uh, that we commonly see in patients that have Uh, have darkly pigmented skin, but you talk specifically about peels and other procedures like microneedling and others. So there was so much information that you went over. I want to stop and have you talk about some of the peels that, tell me how to do some of these peels that you talked about and where they apply to patients that have darker skin.
1: Yeah, the you know, peels have, in my mind, are a, a dying art in dermatology. And I think the opportunity to talk about chemical peels as you've uh, given me today by calling me, is really great because we can really hopefully revive what I think is a huge, opportunity to help our patients, even if you're not a cosmetic dermatologist. Like you said, I don't do cosmetics full-time, but peels really help my patients with medical skin disease. Uh, Let's take the first example, acne and post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, something we all see, no matter skin of color, any color. It doesn't matter. You see acne in PIH and early acne scarring in Patients all day long. You and I both saw those in our clinics today, I'm sure. Chemical peels are a great adjunctive therapy to topical regimens for acne. So one of my go-to peels from a practical pearl perspective is salicylic acid. I love salicylic acid chemical peels. I find chemical peels to be simple, safe, cheap, and effective. And when you hit all four of those pillars, you're having a home run.
0: So you say salicylic acid peel. What concentration? Where do you get the formulation? Do you have it compounded? Is it readily available?
1: So I've done both. I usually use a 30% concentration on average as my go-to strength. Someone with sensitive skin, I may start at 20. But remember, your acne PIH patients or just your acne patients in general may have oily skin. Salicylic acid is comedolytic. It helps to draw out sebum. And it's a beta hydroxy acid, so it's great for those patients. 30% on average is my go-to. You can get it compounded. You can get a multi-use vial from your local compounding pharmacy. You can get a 30 ml vial for 20 bucks. I mean, these are cheap medications that you can use in your office. Now, as I do more and more of these, I don't want, I want no muss, no fuss. So I get pre-packaged peels. Several companies make those. They come with a brush, an applicator, the application and prep kit wipes all of in one shebang. It's easy and you get in and out.
0: So the patient comes in for the first time And they have some, you know, papules, pustules, comedones, a 25-year-old patient, they're frustrated. Let's say they're already on some medications like benzoyl peroxide or topical retinoid. Can you still do the peel while they've been using those medications? or Are there certain situations, medications the patients are on, where you'd be more concerned about doing that peel?
1: Yeah, I always love having these conversations with you, Jim, because you know how to read my mind better than a lot of people. And the the short answer is it's dangerous reading your mind, <laughs> <laughs> and you do it so well. So, which which is always fun, and we always have great academic dialogue and fun on the side, which makes uh makes it great to have a friendship like that. You do want these patients to stop the topical retinoid, in particular, a minimum of seven days prior to the peel I tell my patients you want to come in for a peel next Friday so you have the weekend to recover then this Friday stop your retinoid set an alarm on your phone or your calendar make it buzz don't use it that night and you're done then you can restart the retinoid 48 to 72 hours after the peel and then again in a month when you come for your next peel set a reminder stop it on that Friday a week before benzoyl peroxide clindamycin if they stop the night before I'm not as worried about it's the retinoid that's the key
0: So now you said, do it on a Friday. What's the downtime going to be? And let's talk about the patients with the darker skin. Those are going to be the ones that I'm... So I'll be honest with you, I've always been fearful of procedures in darker skin because the patient comes in with a problem and I'm concerned I'm going to make it worse, especially with hyperpigmentation. But it sounds like I'm more, more afraid than I need to be in some circumstances. So what, what can I expect to see in somebody, let's say Fitzpatrick's skin type 5, 4 or 5?
1: I, I think the sentiment you just expressed, Jim, is something that a lot of our colleagues feel. Probably the vast majority of our colleagues are, are a little bit wary about doing aesthetic procedures in skin of color patients. I will tell you, if you pre-treat these patients with topicals, retinoids, BPO, hydroquinone, azelaic acid... All of that stuff for three to four weeks before the peel, you get that engine running, you get that turnover started, then you stop it a week prior and you do a 30% salicylic peel, you're not really going to get in trouble. The key is doing the peel in a systematic way, which is in your office, short contact, you remove the acid, and the key is the post-care sunscreen, 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 hydrating, emollient, 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 stay out of the sun. And to your point about the downtime, you don't need the person coming in on a Friday who's in a wedding on a Saturday. That's not going to work. You need patients to know this has to be systematically planned out. So these are my patients who I'm telling, pull out your smartphone, let's look at your calendar, block it out and plan it out. But it works and you don't have to really be afraid.
0: You mentioned short contact. Yeah. So, you apply it, you yep. obviously cover their eyes. You yep. apply it, you said with a brush. Yes. And then how long is it left on and what do you cleanse it off with or take it off with?
1: Yeah, so with salicylic acid it's it's a self you know, in terms of neutralization, you hear about that a lot. Salicylic acid in general, once you start to see that light white crystalline frost, so in a skin type one, two, three individual, on average, a minute and a half to two minutes. Someone skin type 4 or 5 like myself and darker, probably going to only do it for about a minute. The end point is usually early erythema. Obviously, the darker the skin type, you're not going to see that erythema. You may actually see edema before you see erythema. And so a minute in, minute and a half max, have a timer, have your MA or nurse in the room with you. Set it so you know when to look. And then I wipe it off with water gauze, clean the skin, moisturize, hydrate sunscreen with the hat they're on their way
0: a bland emollient like a bland petrolatum emollient. based or whatever
1: yeah so that's a that's a really good question as well i like the ceramide based ones better i don't want to use petrolatum initially because i find it to be too occlusive i do want the skin to breathe a little bit i love using the inorganic physical blocker sunscreens uh, for example uh, the elta mds or whatever brand you like yeah, uh, You know, I'm brand agnostic as long as it's chemical free. I like inorganic. I tend to like tinted sunscreen in these post peel skin of color patients, meaning it's got iron oxide in it and uh, you apply it patients on their way.
0: So I remember you talking about another type of peel yes. and maybe it was for melasma in darker skin types. So can mm-hmm. you can you address that?
1: Yeah, I think you're referring to mandelic acid, which I've referred to before. Mandelic acid is a really interesting agent; it doesn't get talked about enough. It's kind of the ugly stepchild sometimes. I feel so we got we got to bring it into the club and not let it feel ostracized. It's, <laughs> an, alpha, it's, a, it's an alpha hydroxy acid, and I love it because what did I just say a minute ago? Salicylic acid is beta, mandelic is alpha. Alpha is more for rejuvenate. Alpha hydroxy acids in general are more rejuvenation, uh, skin texture and tone. Beta hydroxy acids are more c- comedones, oil, debris, sebum. Combine a rejuvenating with a beta, an alpha and a beta, you got the perfect marriage right there. They're boyfriend and girlfriend symbiotic. So I love doing mandelic and salicylic peels together, uh, and I do that a lot for acne and PIH. So I'll do this. I'll do the salicylic layer first allow it to be removed and then immediately after do the mandelic so that's called So sequ- you
0: do them you do them on the same day?
1: I can I do them on the same day in the same sitting. That's called sequential peeling. I learned that from our colleagues and friends in the Middle East and India who do a much better job of that than we do here. In fact, those are all tricks that I learned there. Now, let's say you don't want to get into that just yet. You just want to pick one. Mandelic acid is nice even as a monotherapy peel. It's cheap. You can get it pre-packaged. Works great for pigment. Works great for skin of color. Why? Because it has a large molecular weight. That ingredient with a large molecular weight means it penetrates the skin slowly and evenly. You penetrate slow and steady. You're less likely to get a burn, less likely to get trauma, less likely to get PIH. So mandelic acid is really our friend when it comes to treating pigment disorders in darker skin.
0: So not necessarily for the acne, comodones and things, Correct. but more for pigment. How about the deeper post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation of acne? Yes, Would it be helpful for that.
1: Very. And that's that sequential peel works really well. And then over time what you can do, when I was a resident and I trained I trained at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. We saw a ton of diverse skin types there. Even there, we were trained you don't ever want to do trichloroacetic acid or TCA in a skin of color patient. You do, you're going to get PIH. However, that's kind of a myth. You only get in trouble with TCA above a 20% concentration, which is when it technically becomes medium depth. TCA 15%, guess what? It's superficial depth peel, just like glycolic and salicylic. So sometimes what I'll do is do one session of salicylic, then the next session, bump them up to a salicylic mandel- mandelic sequential. Then a month later, go to TCA 15% because their skin's already kind of been worked up that way. I'm not going to go for that that the big guns on the first visit, but I'm going to work my way up if you need it for that stubborn pigment.
0: So let's say we have someone uh, you know, like myself. I'm going to yep. go in here and say, Samal has given me some confidence. So I start by just doing these salicylic acid peels. I separate them about a month apart. You, you separate them about a month apart.
1: I do have patients who come in where they want to do a little bit faster. And if you're doing a monotherapy peel, just like a salicylic or a glycolic, fine. Every two and a half to three weeks is fine also.
0: And it, will they see benefit themselves from the first time you do it? How, or how many times will it take before they say, hey, you know, should you tell them we need to yes. try this at least three times? Or, you know, what do, what do you tell the patient in terms of their expectation? In general, I always tell
1: them and I counsel them, budget and plan for five sessions. You may see improvement as soon as the second. And when you reach session three, if you're happy, you don't need to do four and five but i say budget and plan for 5 we actually just sell them for in packages of 5 and then if the patient does not want to do the package then they can stop at 3 if someone doesn't want to spend the money up front then just pay as you go these don't you don't have to charge a lot 150 175 bucks uh, that covers your cost your time and and frankly it's fairly affordable for most for a lot of patients not mo- I'm not saying everybody but for an aesthetic procedure again it's not that costly on you as the practice or the patient and you can see nice results.
0: So these are always self pay. The peels are always These are always, always self pay. These yeah. are always self pay. Yeah. At
1: least in my experience, I have heard insurance covering I have not had luck with that and maybe after after we finish this conversation someone will reach out to us and say they know how to get it done. I'd love to hear about it.
0: I'd love to hear about it too. And, and uh, you know, well, you know, but, but if patients that are interested in doing more now, what about some other procedures? Uh, for, before we go on to that, I'm interested in the peels because I was I've always been afraid of doing much in terms of, of peeling in darker skin, uh, skin types. Uh, in lighter skin types, do these work for the the persistent erythema or is that a, a totally different situation.
1: a yeah, well, uh, Great, great question. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I, I, I know the answer, to the, the short answer is yes, it does help with persistent erythema. And the, the ingredients that work well for that is salicylic. In fact, it's funny you say that. I had a, uh, an, a patient, she was not, want, she didn't want topicals. She only wanted peels because she, she came from a med spa and had a bad result there, but really wanted to continue to pursue it. Pustular acne, Just classic, pustular acne, Caucasian female, 21 years old, just didn't want to do topicals because she knew she wasn't going to be compliant, wanted to try the peels. Two sessions of 30% salicylic acid, and then one session of a combination lactic-pyruvic acid, which is great for erythema. It's good for your rosacea patients. She's doing really, really well, and reduction in that post-inflammatory erythema also. I showed a couple uh, of pictures of that in that talk. I, th- I think yeah, you- in that,
0: and, you know, rosacea will have to get you on for another time because yep. talking about peeling rosacea patients, uh, yes. you know, th- that, I'll have to call you back on that yeah, one. I'll please do. have to do. call you back on please that do. one. Please do. That's another can of worms. That is. Uh, what about other types of procedures? Because we have you know, some people in the practice that swear by microneedling. What, what's your perception in general of where you use microneedling in your practice? What type of patients does it help? Um, what is it actually doing? And certainly in skin of color patients.
1: So my short the the soundbite answer is we use microneedling needling a lot in my practice. I like it. I like using the FDA approved device for acne scars. Uh, you can go shallow depth. You can do it in skin of color. You don't have to uh, you know be be super super uh, concerned in terms of damage as long as you use it carefully and you use the right device. Now, uh, do do I think. Every patient who comes with an acne scar uh, needs microneedling. The answer is no. It's not, it's not something I tell everybody to do. But those ice pick scars, not the deep box scars, but the ice pick ones works really well for that. And it's FDA approved for so that. So the
0: small focal scars as opposed to those broad, rigid base scars. Exactly.
1: You know? Exactly. Yep, I find it works really well. And Those broad, rigid ones, like uh, like you've probably done and I've done, those are great with subcision, using kind of one of those bore needles under the scar, and then you can use a little filler or or fractionated CO2. I'm definitely not a laser guru, but I try to.
0: I I dabble more
1: in the peels and microneedling. I don't I don't do big devices. You know, we we don't really have a lot of those.
0: We finally found something that uh, you don't do, somehow. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, so, but yeah, but you know, it's important. We there are lim- A man has to know his limitations, right. and so does a woman. Right? right. We're not right. discounting anyone. Nope. Uh, but I I I think that when you're dealing with people with darker skin types. That even, you know, in my training, I fortunately saw a lot of people uh, that were all all different uh, skin colors and and actually was sent to certain clinics to be able to get a good broad education on that. But even back then, you know, I trained in the 80s, even amongst some of the leaders in the skin of color area they they express some hesitancy and i think even they are learning more and more about how to do these different procedures in patients with skin of color do you find that to be true uh, absolutely
1: and i and i think part of that has been a lot of the, the meetings that are going on now in the virtual era, you know, the the meetings you and I are involved in and others. I mean, these are all great opportunities for residents to learn. I'm I'm happy residents have these opportunities uh, that, that you and I maybe didn't have as much exposure to. So I agree. I think there's more awareness. I think phone calls and chats like this, I think our podium lectures, our meetings, all of these things are important. I, I just feel like residents really need to take advantage of every educational opportunity they can, especially during challenging times like this.
0: What else can you tell me that I need to know when I go back in there and I'm seeing patients with uh, let's talk about vitiligo. Let's end with a couple of uh, yeah of, of, of pearls on vitiligo. Well, and, vitiligo we is ha- a- we both have to get back to work eventually.
1: I could talk to you for hours, but you're right. We do have to get back to work. We probably have patients waiting for us while we're while we're chatting. Dude. So what one of the things about Vitiligo that I think is exciting is that we're we're now closer to a cure in my in my heart. I feel that we are now closer to the, to a cure than we have ever been. Are we going to see it in a year or two? No. Are we going to see it in maybe five to ten years? Very possible. Uh, two of the to quick, quick cytokine things that are really exciting. IL-15. IL-15, you're going to hear more and more and more about. The new buzz cytokine in vitiligo. Why is it important? It's thought to be the cytokine that allows those T-cell, memory T-cells, memory T-cells to hide and lurk like the annoying pests in the skin so that even when you repigment up area, it can regress because those memory T-cells are hiding there. And if you can block IL-15, you boot them out of the cave and they're out. That's huge. And then the jack inhibitors, I think, are are really exciting for sure. Uh, You and I have talked about those at length. Uh, Those are very exciting because now we will have topical options. Ruxolitinib 1.5% cream, phase three studies, super exciting. I use it a lot. Can't wait till it's FDA approved.
0: Well, Samal, you know you have a young daughter, right? You have a young daughter, so I I can tell you, having a daughter who's now older, but remembering when she was in her teens, and this one guy kept asking her out or showing showing up. That is the guy that you did not want her to go out with. That's like that lurking memory T cell that that you can't get rid of, right? And and (laughs) I I hope you don't have to deal with that. But but thanks a lot for everything uh, in this discussion on this podcast. We really appreciate your time and thanks for all the hard work you do. So we'll catch up with you soon and appreciate it. Jim, thank you
1: so much for having me. Your call from you is one I always accept. So thank you so much.
0: Thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Derms and Conditions. If you have any questions or comments, Please email us at podcasts at fred.health. And most importantly, if you like this episode, subscribe to the Derms and Conditions podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for joining us.